Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, handball out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Goal! Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's oh! kicked the goal from inside the centre. I can't believe that. Boyd has kicked the goal. Hey guys, welcome back to the SE Playbook AFL podcast, proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SEW. My name is Charlie and I'll be your host for today. And joining me are two of the biggest names in Supercoach. Our first guest is the SC Bandit who has been putting out stats left, right and centre from all these practice games. Bandit, how are you today? I'm good, Charlie. I'm good. Good to be back on the good to be back on the pod. It's been a busy weekend, as you said, putting putting a whole bunch of stats together for people to to look at, which they can uh, use to put the finishing touches on their squads. But uh, yeah, footy's not far away, which is uh, which is exciting. Our second guest is an AFL fantasy and super coach legend, formerly part of DT Talk, Rob Rainman Rainbird. Rob, it's it's been a few weeks since you've been on the potty, but we're so glad to have you back on. How's everything been going? Yeah, thanks, Charlie. Great to be back on again. Um, yeah, lots of tinkering. I, I'd like to say, and I know we'll talk about the practice matches in a second, I'd like to say they threw up some answers, but I think they just threw up more questions. Yeah, absolutely. It's It's been, a, well, pretty much a full week of, of me just living on, on the Supercoach website and, and taking blokes out and, and bringing them in. And it's all because of these practice games, which obviously was a, a thrill to watch and it's great to have footy back on the TV. But God, as everything is these days, it's all... You know, you're looking at the games and you're like, oh, he looks good. I want to put him in. Oh, he looks bad. I want to take him out. It's it's all very super coach relevant. So I do want to talk about this as, as the first topic. And Bandit, I'll start with you because you do all have all the stats ready to go. But who caught your eye over the weekend and, you know, for, for better or for worse? Yeah, oh, geez, depends how much depends how much time you've got. But I suppose I'll um I'll just run through maybe the Thursday games first. Um so I guess from a Hawthorne Collingwood point of view, uh, I thought James Warple was was pretty impressive. He's put himself back on the radar for those who are looking at those sort of mid-price options. Uh, 30 touches, 101 super coach points. He was the only Hawthorne player to to reach three figures on the day. Uh, and this was off uh, 67% time on ground as well. So, um, yeah, there's there's room for, for some improvement there, I think, based on what he's done in the last couple of years. Um, he's obviously won a, a club best and fairest, so hopefully he's trending back towards... Um, the form that we saw from sort of 20, 2019, 2018 when he first came onto the scene and, and looked like he was going to be, um, you know, one of those sort of A-grade midfielders for the Hawks. So he's, um, he's one to keep an eye on. Uh, Cam McKenzie was, was good as well, scored 99. Um, he's obviously a pretty popular midfield rookie option. So he looks like he'll be sort of in the frame for, for round one. Um, Fergus Green was good as well, kick three. Um, so there, there are a couple of good rookie options for us as well. Uh, on the Collingwood side of things, Tom Mitchell was was pretty solid. Uh, had twenty eight touches, one hundred and one super coach points, uh, plenty of CBAs in there as well. So he's clearly part of that um, midfield mix, which is a positive. Um, probably just a question on his ceiling. I think playing with playing with Collingwood, I think historically they've not been a a huge um, point scoring team. They haven't had those guys averaging you know, one hundred and fifteen plus over the last um, sort of four or five years. So um, outside of Grundy, of course, who's um, no longer there, but. Um, yeah, it looks like they'll probably share the points pretty evenly. So, um, yeah, probably just something to, to keep an eye on with, with him. Um, and then just the other couple that I had for, for Collingwood, um, Darcy Cameron, um, was pretty good actually. He pretty much split the ruck 50 50 with, with Cox, um, but still managed to score 97, um, points on the day, which was a good effort. Uh, Nick Dacos was tagged by, uh, Finn McGuinness, who's become a bit of a renowned tagger for, 
for Hawthorne in the last couple of years um, and was sort of held to um, not, a, not a terrible game, but only scored the 72 uh, points, which would be a little bit of a concern, I think, for those who were looking to, to start him. Uh, I think there'll be a few tags coming his way early in the season, so that's something to, to keep in mind. Yeah, I, I think the Dacos part of that was the biggest story from that game, and um, it just I, I think it's a sign of things to come for the rest of the season. Um, that was my biggest knock on him um, when I, you know, I saw fifty percent of teams had him in, and and I was asking myself, well, you know, he is probably the the biggest tag option on that Collingwood side, and um, the Hawthorne Hawthorne really really knuckled down on that, um, even in, in a practice game. Um, if they're doing that in a practice game, I, I imagine every team will be doing that in season. Um, Rob, out of all the games that you watched on the weekend, um, who caught your eye? What, what were your positives and negatives? We've got to talk about Errol, don't we? Um, we, do. Errol, we do. Was, <laughs> Errol was just amazing. And and I think, you know, we'd, we'd spent so much time talking about the big four forwards, we'd kind of forgotten about Errol. Um, and I think he's made his way into a lot of teams, just that performance he put up. Um, and, and, yeah, conscious that Mills wasn't there, but, you know, even if he halved the CBAs that he had in real season, given what he scored us last year on limited CBAs, Feels like he's a, a bit of a no-brainer to to kind of bump up in price. So I think Errol Errol was a real standout. He certainly made his way into my team. He wasn't necessarily a consideration before. Um, I, I think the other thing, and kind of just to go on Bandit's point, those kind of lower kind of five hundred price defenders. Um, I think that we were fairly hot on a few of those, but either Dacos or Young. Um, I don't think they really did themselves any favours. Probably the only one that has jumped up a little bit is Ridley. He, his game was pretty good. So. Um, but I do also worry that, you know, they were playing a very, very small Saints midfield, uh, sorry, forward line. So do, you know, once we see a monster forward line, does really need to play a little bit more accountable and a little bit more lockdown? Probably my question there. Um, and, and then, you know, probably two other points for me, those kind of 200 to 300K guys really jumped out. So there were a few of those, uh, whether it be Flanders, Callahan, Liam Jones seems like he's locked in most sides now. Um, and probably on the on the sad point, bring out the violins, um, I, I finally said goodbye to Noah in my team. I've been a, a big lover of Mr. Anderson for a long time. Um, look, he might have just been rolling the legs around, but I think more so there's been some options at different price points that have presented themselves. I, I still think Noah will be good, but um, yeah, we just need to break up for this year, I think. Yeah. I think you're on the uh, Windhag. I think you're on the Marcus Windhager bandwagon as well, weren't you, Rob? He broke his wrist on Yeah, uh, I, I, I think I cursed him. That's, that's an idea. <laughs> yeah. you've, you've had a couple of breakups this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the the mid five hundred K range for the midfielders and you know, depending on your structure, it's your M four, your M five, it's um it's a it's a tricky one to navigate, and we had Noah Anderson as a genuine option, and and he did look good over preseason. He just had you know this one bad game this week, and so you know take it with a grain of salt. But then you've got blokes like Tom Green who smashed out thirty four touches and and one hundred and thirty points. Rob, how, how's your team structure looking at the moment? Have you made many changes on the back of of these practice games? Yeah, look, not uh, I've tinkered a lot. Probably that where I've landed isn't that many changes, but I have found way for some of those cheaper uh, 200k guys. So uh, Liam Jones is firmly entrenched now at D4 for me, um, and I've got Finn Callahan in as well, floating between either 
F, uh, sorry, M5, M6 or M7, depending on the structure. So um, I'm reasonably settled. I, I think, um, you know, I, I was very keen on Big Sean Darcy coming into the preseason matches. He obviously stamped his authority. So I'm really comfortable with him at R1 at the moment. Uh, forwards are pretty set. Uh, I feel like my defence is set. So the midfield is probably just where I'm rotating at the moment. I'd really like to try and squeeze five big dogs in there, um, which just leaves you a little bit thin on other lines. So I'm just trying to do a little bit of manipulating to see if I can make that work without sacrificing anywhere else. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of uh, of cheap midfield options flying through the ranks um, after after this weekend, especially Cam McKenzie, Bandit, as you touched on. I did come across a tweet, though, a couple of days ago that Sam Mitchell, there's a quote from Sam Mitchell saying that none of these you know rookie options were locked in yet. And I think he was hinting to Cam McKenzie when he said that, I don't know, you know, that might be just Sam Mitchell mind games, but is there anything to that, Bandit, do you know? I wouldn't have thought so. I think clubs are pretty keen to, you know, round one, they want to hype up guys who are going to debut. So they don't, they want to keep the powder dry until, you know, a couple of days before when they can do all the content that they produce in-house. So, you know, they want to have the draftee call the parents, all that, all that sort of thing. They want to be able to capture that on video. So they don't want to say as of now, you know, yes, he's going to play round one. He's going to play the first month of the season. I'd, I wouldn't read too much into that, to be honest. I think his performance on the weekend shows that he's ready for the level. Um, and I'd be surprised if he wasn't at least including that round one team in some capacity. He's probably a sub-candidate, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I think Hawthorne are obviously looking to the future. They need to get got games into these players ASAP. So, um, yeah, I, I'd be very surprised if he wasn't there round one. Guys, you've been listening to Eddie talk about mortgage choice, SCW, a lot over the last 12 months on the show. And most people, like me, are probably thinking they're way off in a position to buy a house and that it's irrelevant to them. But actually, they can get you a loan for pretty much anything and it doesn't even have to be a house. If Santa brushed you for a PS5 this year or maybe the toolbox needs an upgrade and your boss is too stingy to chip in, Patty and George can make the dream a reality. And the best part, no more sacrificing your avocados for two-minute noodles because the $129 fee is way usually an SC playbook. These loans are quick and easy with the money dropping in your pocket within days. So after a few years of COVID causing us grief, treat yourself in 2023 and shoot them a message on their Instagram handle at Pat and George Mortgage Choice to get it sorted. You can also jump into any of the articles on our website for the email, phone contact, or QR code if that's easier. Rob, we've already run through your changes, um, you know, off the back of off these preseason games. Bandit, what about you? What have you been tinkering on? Yeah, I've done a little bit of tinkering on the back of uh, on the back of these games. So Finn Callahan's uh, made his way into M six for me. Um, yeah, it just looks like he's got a really good role in that Giants midfield that's sort of going through a bit of a refresh with Taranto and Hopper. No longer there. They're sort of looking for the next generation of guys to step up, like of Tom Green, um, who's also in my team, uh, and Callahan should be pretty prominent this year, I think. So, uh, yeah, it makes sense to to start both of those guys. I think based on the the exposure that we've seen from from them, uh, Errol Goulden that we also touched on before. He's, I mean, he's just forced his way in. I mean, you can't um, really sort of look at him and go. Well, I mean, um, obviously you got to look at Mills not playing was was a big factor, but I mean, even if he even if he's just getting a bit more CBA time on on last year, I think he's still a reasonable pick. Um, and to be honest, I think the forwards are probably where um, you know where we're most light on for for primos this year. Um, there's really probably just the five um, that are really putting the hand up for a starting role with um, Dunkley, Rose. Taranto, Cogs, um, who was in the wars a bit um, against the Gold Coast on the weekend. 
Um, and then you've got Golden as well, who's who's in that shape of bracket. So they're probably the five that are, um, you know, the legitimate starting options in the forward line. Um, so Golden's made his way into um, F4 for me, and I'm just going a little bit lighter on in, in rookies in the forward line just because there doesn't seem to be the the depth of rookie there that we've got um, on some of the other lines. Like um, the defenders in particular look, look quite strong. So, um, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a wise move to be batting a bit deeper in the forwards to start with. Yeah, that's my thinking as well. And and your forward structure literally sounds the exact same as me. I've I've had Errol Golden in there for a while now, or a few weeks, but the one that's come in is Connor Rosie. Um, and he's made way for Cornelio. I just I didn't really like what I saw and Adam Kingsley's comments um about him being, you know, a great forward and, and they wanted to utilize that, that just didn't sit well with me at all. So he's gone out. Um Harry Sheasel's come into F five, I think. I really like just, you know, I, I think he'll he'll be moved around on the board a fair bit this season. He'll see some half half back, he'll see some half forward. I think he'll just be wherever the footy is. And I know North Melbourne want him to to be that player. Um in the mids, uh I've dropped Clayton Oliver to Lockie Neal, which is a big call, but it just comes after to Clay, Clayton Oliver's midfield rotation just didn't seem that good. He was rotating half back and he only had 60, 60 odd percent CBAs, which is 20% from what it was last season. Um, and, uh, you know, we saw, we have seen comments previously in the last few weeks about a rotation, um, whether it's Petrarca going forward or, or Oliver going forward. It does seem like he's got that, that split with uh, Angus Brayshaw. Um, and I'm, I'm probably just not willing to pay up for him if he's going to be going to be in that split. Whereas Lockie Neal seems pretty set for a midfield spot um, uh, with Dunkley and McCluggage and Ashcroft. Um, he will he will sit there probably most of the game. Um, in defence, Liam Jones has come in. Really liked what I saw from him. Um, he was on on my radar for a fair bit of this preseason. Um, just wasn't sure what his role would exactly look out look like with the the Bulldogs defense but no he looked great with a lot of intercept marks and and the last one to make their way in was Jordan Ridley um again he he's, has been on my radar and he's been on many others radar as well um with the Bombers you know adopting a, a pretty pretty possession like game style um and he looks really set to benefit from that with he had 18 kicks nine handles and 12 marks um Rob is there is there anyone else that's slightly on your radar that you haven't quite fit in yet uh, yeah, look, there's probably a couple. Um, Josh Kelly looked amazing, and I know he's a perennial burn man. Um, how many of those GWS mids do you put in if you're running with Green and Callahan? It is probably the question. Um, the one I had in prior to the games and has stayed in there, even though the score probably didn't really reflect, is actually Angus Brayshaw. I've got him at D2. Um, and I think he is the beneficiary of that mid-rotations mm. with Oliver, if, if that continues in. And, and I think feel like he's kind of been the forgotten man. We've talked around kind of the big five, um, if you include Sinclair in the defence and then some of the cheaper ones. But effectively for 550K, I reckon Brayshaw... He's, he's a real risk-reward player. We know he can pump out those big plus 150s with lots of marks and so forth. And I feel like the roles where he scores best is either halfback or CBAs, and it feels like that's what his role is going to be this year. So I'm quite bullish on him, and he is a bit of a pod. Um, kind of mentioned Ridley. He's still on my radar a little bit. I am a little bit scared about potential accountability that may come, um, and that might just be jumping at shadows a little bit. But I think they're the ones... Um, and, you know, and trying to get the, the kind of last couple of spots on the forward line right is a real challenge. I'm running Sheasel at F6 at the moment, which feels really nice, uh, but it does sacrifice a few on other lines. 
Does that mean you've got a mid-pricer at F5, maybe five for Zebu or... Yeah, I've, I've gone five is life for now. Yeah. Um, I, I just love, uh, which I said in my uh, team release a couple of weeks ago, I love their early draw. Um, you know, even if he's running three or four minutes in a running up to a stoppage rotation um, from ha- from half forward, I reckon he can pump out 80s most weeks. And at his price, that's enough to run him through for seven or eight weeks and then maybe jump on a fallen cogs or something. Absolutely. Are you, Bandit, are you looking at potential DPPs in the forward line come round six? You know, the likes of Bontempelli, um, you've got Gorn and Grundy look like they could get it. Is that why you're, you know, holding off on your last two F5 and F6 spots just in anticipation of that? Um, probably not so much in the forwards. Uh, I think, you know, trying to include guys in your starting squads based on, you know, DPP potential is a little bit, too risky, I think. Um, you know, guys like Whitfield or Gorn, like you mentioned, Bontempelli, you know, I think DPP is an added bonus. I don't think it's a reason why you would pick someone to start with. Um, of course, if they're knocking the door down, demanding selection on their own merit, then fair enough. But, um, yeah, just in my mind, there's, like, your Grundies and your Gorns, like, they, they're going to obviously share the ruck, so they will play forward at times. But, I think it's probably a question of will they play enough forward time over the first six rounds to justify DPP. And to be honest, it just seems a bit risky to be starting those guys in the hope that you'll eventually be able to move them because that, that may not happen. You know, one of them might get injured or something like that. And then you're just stuck with them for, um, for the rest of the season. So, um, yeah, not really a factor in, in my thinking at the moment. It's, it's a good point, but is Gorn a genuine ruck option this year? He's, he scored 153. And yes, it was largely, due to the three goals he kicked. He only had 12 hitouts, but could he potentially be a season keeper, Rob? Look, he really could. I think he's done it before. We know what he's going to do. He's going to have four or five games this year where he pumps out 150s. Um, that, that's going to happen because it's in his DNA. I think the challenge is 622 is a lot to pay for that position where you know, you, you're know you picking up um, Rowan Marshall for 120k cheaper um, and there are some, you know, even the next lot of options feel like they're, you know, English is 580. Uh, Darcy's a, a little bit cheaper than that as well. So it feels like a lot. And at the moment, I feel like what we're doing is any 20, 30, 40K we can squeeze out, we're using it and deploying it in other lines. So, look, somebody may take the risk and it may well work out. Um, I still don't know, you know, the Demons dominated that game. Um, and I think they will be very good again this year. But will that role continue to persist for Gorn and how that mix with Grundy actually works in the real season, I think remains to be seen. Guys, the SC Playbook subscription package, 50 bucks for the full package gets you NRL, AFL and BBL for 12 months, or you can just purchase the AFL package for $30, which comes with extra premium articles every single round, access to our WhatsApp group with weekly Q&As with contributors, uh, that's in season uh, and the SC Playbook community access to our major unlimited group prize, which is $500 for the top prize for the top ranked subscriber to knock off our team or if a non-subscriber wins, we'll split 250 bucks each between the winner and the runner up. The unlimited group code is 345511. Guys, we've talked a, a little bit about rucks obviously just then, but I do want to delve deeper into them because they are one of the hot topics um, this season. They're all up in the air. We don't know what we're doing. I've currently got Sean Darcy and Rowan Marshall. I think Rowan Marshall is an absolute lock, but yeah, the the other ruck option is is literally anyone's guess. We've got a lot of you know premium options, but then a couple of mid price options like Darcy Cameron, Lloyd Meek, um, Scott Lysette was was doing the rounds earlier in preseason. 
Bandit, who who's on your radar at this stage? Uh, I've got uh, Wits and Marshall at the moment. Uh, like you said, there's just so many question marks on the on the ruck line this year, um, and it feels like you know the top ten rucks. I think probably eight of them have you know real genuine question marks on them. So for me, I've just sort of gone a bit a little bit safer in my approach with with that. Um, I think Wits, you know, he's obviously in a, in a team that should improve from from last year. You know, Gold Coast. Getting Ben King back, I think, will really challenge some teams and should be pushing for for the top eight this year, hopefully. So I think, um, you know, with a really strong midfield at his feet, he should be, you know, one of the top three rucks um, this season, hopefully. Um, and Marshall, obviously, you know, dominated against Essendon, uh, albeit Essendon were pretty poor. But, um, yeah, his role just looks perfect to to be that breakout ruck option. He's sort of threatened to, to do that for a little while now. Um, and he's finally got the the keys to that to that solo ruck um, position. So uh, yeah, for me, he's he's an absolute lock, and um, I'd be very surprised if you weren't starting him in in one of your rock spots. Yeah, Wits does seem like the very safe option um, at this stage of the year. You just know what you're going to get from him. Um, he's got 101 Supercoach points from just 65 percent game time. Um, you know, if he bumps that up to 80, God, the sky's the limit for him. Rob, can I tempt you with any mid-price options or do you have, you know, a solid idea on what you're rolling with at this stage? Yeah, look, I'd, I think if, if I wanted to go really extreme, I'd go down, way down um, to, you know, dare I say it, Radigalia or even Callum Jamison is, is getting some mentions at the moment with the injury cloud around Nick Nat um, and Bailey Williams as well. So, um you could do it. It would take a hell of a lot of risk to be able to do it. I think the mid prices are just, I don't think there's enough upside in them and they're in a real no man's land if it does fail. Um, so, it, I mean, the same can be argued for the, the cheaper ones, but I think you can make that work with an up and down somewhere. The mid prices, there's just nobody that really jumps out. You know, e- even to your point, you mentioned Meek earlier and he was okay, like 66 points, but at his price at 430K, you know, you, you want that to be more than that. And that shared ruck with Reeves looks like they're the one-two punch. They're in a struggling team. It, it's really going to hurt. So I feel like any of those ones that are kind of in that mid-price range are in teams that aren't necessarily going to be right at the pointy end. So how does that work with the, the midfields around them? When we know things like hit-outs to advantage score so well for rucks, um, I just can't see the upside in any of those mid-prices. Yeah, agreed. Um, what about the the rookies and the cheapies? we got on my list here, Bryn Tickle, Asava Radagalia and Lachlan McAndrew. A bandit, any of those as you know a potential R three or even with Radagalia and and McAndrew maybe an F five F six. Um, well, I mean, Tico was pretty was pretty ordinary um, on the weekend against Fremantle. Didn't look like he got a hell of a lot of opportunities. So I think you can scratch him off your off your list unless Lysette was to get injured maybe early in the season. Um, then you could look at bringing him in, but. Um, if those two are going to play together, I, I can't see him being a, a good option. Um, the same for McAndrew. Um, there was a bit of talk about him um, after the match sim that the Sydney played against Brisbane, where he was where he was quite good. Um, Dan Cox, I think, mentioned that he'll he'll see some early game time, but again, he was he was sharing with Laddams, and he was and he was second fiddle to to Laddams in in that role. So, um, yeah, not not super confident in either of those guys. I think there's there's better options uh, elsewhere. Uh, Radicalia is definitely in the frame for me. He's in my team at the moment. Um, not in the ruck line. He's he's in my forward line. Um, and to be honest, I think that's probably the way to go. I think starting him at R two um, is 
pretty fraught with with danger to be honest um he's not going to score that well every week um you know even if you look at his his past record i think his best average over a season is like mid 60s or something like that so he's not a he's not a high scorer um we're basically banking on him having a, a really good game early in the year and really giving his cash generation a bit of a kick along um early days just to um yeah get some cash in the bank but um, yeah, I think starting him in the ruck line would be pretty, be pretty risky. And he's probably, he probably gives a bit more flexibility by starting him forward and then having a, a floating donut on your ruck bench who's also a forward. And then you can swap him around if, if you need to. I think, yeah, I think Sav is a really good pick, um, in the forward line. Yes, he only had 49 points, um, against the Lions, but he was playing against one of the most formidable, um, forward lines in the competition this year with, you know, Danaher, Hipwood. Um, and obviously Jack Gunston as the new signing. Uh, Rob, is, is Asava on, on your radar at all? Yeah, he is. He's been in and out. He's, he's currently sitting at uh, F7 for me. I actually don't mind the idea of him at R3 and playing a floating donut, maybe at M11, um, that has a bit of uh, either mid-forward or mid-defence flexibility. Um, kind of floating with that at the moment. Uh, but I, I think the smart play is, as Bandit said, have him have him at F7, have our good, you know, a perma-captain Madden uh, at R3. I think that's probably the smart play. And I reckon, you know, yes, it was a down game for, for Big Sav, but he, he can do from a intercept pos- possession perspective, I think, what um, Jones did. Um, and Jones, you know, Jones dominated, uh, as we've kind of talked about a little bit. So I, I can see him pumping out 65, 70s again to, to run us for, you know, seven or eight weeks. That's all we need from him. Uh, guys, we're excited to link up with Better for the 2023 footy season. Each round of the season, we'll be producing exclusive SC Playbook special markets of our own. From now and all the way up to round one, we've got our AFL Futures play, which is Will Ashcroft, Rising Star, and 10-plus Brownlow votes at $11, which is just an absolute lock and insane value. Will you guys be getting on that? Surely. It, it, feels, it, feels like, it feels like a good one. I, I need to need to jump on and have a look at uh, what Harry Sheezel is running for the Rising Star as well, because I think he could be a little smoky. If anything happened to uh, to Ashcroft and there was an injury, uh, surely Sheezel's the next in line. Is is Finn yeah, that... eligible for the the Rising Star? Did he get a nomination? Yeah, I was, I was going to say I think he is still eligible. So um, yeah, it might be worth a if you're going to have a look at uh, that Ashcroft bet, um, then it might be worth having a little saver on on Callahan as well because I think he's like like we touched on before. I think his role in that Giants team is is going to be quite a good one this year. And um, yeah, if if for whatever reason Ashcroft doesn't doesn't win it, um, he could be one of the next in line. Just something to touch on, like we're almost done. But just one last thing with with Callahan. Now that we're talking about him. He didn't have any CBAs on the weekend and he seemed very, very locked into that wing role. And he obviously dominated. He was everywhere in that first quarter. Rob, is, is that something to look out for, that he didn't have any centre bounce attendances? I think it's actually the positive, to be fair. Um, it's more like that uh, the previous Josh Kelly role, I think. So Kelly was a little bit more inside. Um the Giants look like they're moving it really fast. So I think that's a good thing. He's a very highly rated junior that had great numbers. Um, as soon as, you know, inevitably an injury happens, because it tends to happen to GWS a little bit, whether it be Kelly or Cogs or Whitfield or someone, I think he does have potential to then roll into the CBA. So I see that as just upside for him. And at 244K, it's minimal risk. And if it does go pear-shaped, you've got some options around that price that you can rotate him through to. Bandit, do you also have any- with- 
Yeah. Also worth mentioning, he only had 66% time on ground on the weekend as well. So I know, I know he kicked a couple of goals, which obviously boosted his score a bit, but you know, to have 22 disposals in 66% of game time, that's, that's pretty good going. So if he can bump that up to, you know, mid to high seventies, once the real stuff starts, um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll see a really solid average from him. Exactly. I think he's an absolute lock for what it's worth, but guys, that's, us to the end of the podcast thank you so much for coming on um great to chat chat super coach with you guys for the first time i think this is the first time that you have both been on the potty together um chemistry was flowing off the charts so <laughs> real good to have you both on bandit what's uh what's on the plan uh for for the rest of this week just footy training yeah yeah back in the back in the footy training so yeah season's not um not too far away it does it is a little bit further away than the afl season i think our first game's uh april 15 or something like that so yeah, fair way away still yet, but yeah, there's a few practice matches and things on the on the horizon as there are for for lots of local footy clubs. So yeah, it's uh, it's an exciting time of the year. Definitely. And and Rob, what about you? Anything planned? Uh, yeah, I've pulled on the whistle again to coach my son's under 11s uh, this year. So um, lots of whistle blowing and demanding kids to listen on a Thursday night training. Uh, yeah, running through that. So trying to just develop some skills and hopefully uh, bring them to uh, some premiership glory this year. Absolutely. A super, well, a super coach in every sense of the word. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be uh, holding our fingers crossed for that. Uh, hopefully premiership glory for, for Rob Rayman Rainbirds. Uh, under 11 team. So (laughs) there'll be nothing better than that. Guys, thank you very much. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you.